to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh hey, hey, if you are obedient you are calling the bible alaba shake bredo sokolo hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 One of the most, one of the most, uh, for lack of better terms, infuriating arguments you find there are from people who say things like, actually, there was a certain conversation that one of my deacons had with someone. Let me just read it for you. I will hide the names, uh, but I think it, it will make for a good reading. Uh, and for for something you 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 will learn. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody was asking someone. Uh, one of my deacons was asking someone, uh, and inviting them for church, and their response was, "Here's their response." Now, <laughs> it says, "I'm a powerful woman of God." I have faith not in man or in church. I only have faith in God and I read the Bible. Okay? So he's inviting her to church. Then she says, I'm a pastor, a powerful woman of God. I have faith not in man or church. I only have faith in God and I read the Bible. Then she says, for a time is coming when people will fellowship and worship God in their houses. There are people who think like that out there. So this is in the same WhatsApp group with people who say, well, uh, I didn't go to church, but they feel like they went to church because um, because they watched television. They watched television and maybe they watched a man of God. Um... They watch television and they listen to a sermon, so they feel satisfied with that. And some people feel like they and some people feel like it's enough because they feel like they have met the essence. And like I told you, this is the problem we have with a lot of people today. A lot of people are stubborn. Do you know this is powerful now? I want you to learn this. I want you to learn this. This is powerful. So this that stubbornness, that inability to be corrected, that inability to submit 
that quality of an individual that makes them yield and listen only to themselves. They are really their own God and their own guide. That stubbornness, that exhorting of your personal perceptions and feelings and views over certain issues without really, really knowing what the Bible really says. And some people, it may not even be that they are crossing what the Bible says. They just feel they are at par with some principles. It's like, okay, I know what the Bible says, but maybe the... Okay, they say maybe that's what the Bible says, but, you know, they're just like, yeah, but I also think that kind of stubbornness is idolatry. That kind of stubbornness is idolatry. Let me read you something. The book of... Um, First uh, Samuel chapter 15. And I'll share this with you. First Samuel chapter number 15. Okay, let's go to verse So this is God regretting. Imagine God regretted after he gave Samuel something. So God instructs King Saul through the prophet Samuel to go and destroy a kingdom and the king. But when when Saul came back, King Saul came back, he salvaged some of the sheep and some of the cows to sacrifice to God. And, okay, look at this. Let's read this. Okay. Let's look at this. Let's begin from verse 1. The Bible says, Samuel told Saul. Maybe let's read it from the NLT. One day, Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who anointed, who told me to anoint you as king over his people Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came to Egypt. Now, go and completely, listen to this. This is what the Bible was saying. In other words, this is what the word of the Lord was saying. Now, go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. So, so you've seen what the word of God, the instruction said, right? So, the Bible goes on to say, So, so mobilized his army at, at Telem. Uh, they were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Then Saul and his army went to a town of the Amalekites and lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent this warning to the Kenites, Move away from where the Amalekites live, or you will die with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites packed up and left. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Ahavila all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. So and his men, listen to that, so and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and the goats, the cattle for the fat, uh, the, the fat calves and the lambs, everything. In fact, 
that appealed to them. Remember what God told them is to destroy everything, right? But then they found things that appealed to them and they kept those things. In fact, that they appealed, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I made so king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. The NKJV puts it this way. I greatly regret that I have set up so as king. God regretted ever having appointed someone. Please never make God regret for having promoted you or lifted you. When God lifts you, don't be that person who makes it hard for believers. I can bet some people who are going out, closing churches, some of them are believers. They prayed for that job. Now when they were given that job, they are going out, they are closing churches for believers. You know, the Bible says, I greatly regret, that is God, I greatly regret that I have set up so as king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. The Bible says, and it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Camel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself, and he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. That means he even went and built a monument for himself, everybody praising him for the defeat he had. No place for giving glory to God or even completely obeying his commandments. Then Samuel went to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Ha, liar. But Samuel said, What then is the bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Listen to this. This is where it gets interesting. And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. In other words, they are saying the Lord should be grateful because we even want to give him these things. There are people like that who think when they are giving to the Lord or partnering, people who say, who think they are supporting the ministry. What do you mean you are supporting God? You think through your giving you can support God. Isn't that how, isn't that how, isn't that how, um, isn't that how Uzzah died? Uzzah tried to support the Lord. He tried to hold the Ark of the Covenant when it was about to fall. And God struck him and he died on the spot. Every time we are giving to God, or to the work of ministry, or we are giving our tithes or our offerings or our first fruit, it, we are not supporting anything. Every time we do that, it's a privilege. It's an opportunity for us to return to God the blessing he has given to us. We are actually being privileged to do the work of the Lord to give. It's a privilege to give. It's a privilege to work for the Lord. Now look at this guy. This guy was busy saying to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak on. So Samuel, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribe of Israel? And, 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 and did not the Lord anoint you king of Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you soup 
down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord. And Samuel said, and, and, and Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. He was so stubborn. He was still stubborn. He was saying, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission which the Lord sent me and brought back Agar, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. He was so stubborn. But the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. In other words, you should even be grateful that we want to give the Lord your God. Ha! This is the generation we have today. They are stubborn and they think they are doing God a favor. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ said, some of them, some of them, when you go out to preach, they will resist you. Some of them will even kill you. And in doing what they are doing, they will think they are doing the Lord a favor. Can you imagine? So actually believed he was in the perfect will of God when he was going around killing people, killing Stephen and persecuting the church. He thought he was in the perfect will of God. That is the problem of zeal without knowledge. It equals stubbornness and you begin fighting God. So Samuel said, has the Lord, has the Lord as, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. This is where obedience is better than sacrifice comes from. There are people who think they are justified in what they give and in what they do rather than their obedience to the word of God. There are people who think I give to the poor, I do this. No, 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 no. God does not necessarily delight in people's givings and the good works they are doing. God wants them obedient to his word. I want you to say, I'm obedient to his word. You are different. You are obedient to his word. Listen to this. Listen to this. He says, he says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. This is the part I want to show you. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. I will not get into that. But the part I'm interested in is this. It says stubbornness is as a sin of idolatry. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Stubbornness, stubbornness, being uncontrollable, unable to be guided. He says it's as good as worshiping other idols. That's what idolatry means. You are an idol worshiper when you are stubborn. And the idol you worship is yourself, your opinions, and your feelings. See? Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. As a result of stubbornness, as a result of stubbornness, people begin to reject the word of the Lord, the ordinances of God, and then they begin being their own God. When you begin resisting the word of God, you begin becoming your own God. And that's called idolatry. It's, the, it's one of the highest forms of idolatry because it's intellectual idolatry. You look at people who are worshipping graven images and you think those were the true idol worshippers. No, you who worships and you stick to your opinions, you cannot be mentored, you cannot submit, you are your own God. You are an idol worshipper. See? And those are the kind of idol worshippers we have. They do not want to heed to the word of God. Look at this, look at this woman. She was saying, 
I'm a pastor, a powerful woman of God. I have faith not in man or in church. I only have faith in God and I read the Bible. Who thought, which Bible did you read? Do you really read the Bible if you can't go to church? Which Bible do you read? Where did you buy that Bible? Which verses did you read which tell you as a believer, you cannot go to church. You cannot meet together with other believers. You can worship only in your house with your Bible. Are you out of your Bible? And you call yourself a woman of God. No, you are a joker. You are a joker. Oh, you are joking. You are, ooh, you are joking. You see, this, this, is, this is the problem again we have with our day. People don't know the truth. This is why we all have to make sure as many people attend these classes, as many people come to church. Because people are worshipping their ideas and giving them first place. Let's look at what the Bible says. Let's look at what the Bible really says. Look at this. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 25. It says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Okay. The NLT did not add something that was always there. I like what the Passion Translation says. It says, This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently eager to encourage and urge each other onwards as we anticipate the day dawning. Are you seeing that? Saying we should not forsake the coming together, the meeting together, as some have formed the habit. There are people who form the habit of not going to church. It becomes a habit. Let me tell you, when something becomes a habit, it means, it means your brain stops functioning. Let me explain. The brain, according to, to, to neuroscience, the brain, this is, amazing, this is interesting. They say the brain is lazy. The brain does not like working consistently. So what it does is for something you consistently do, it begins to create neural pathways so that it doesn't have to consume a lot of energy when doing some of those things. So let me give you an example. When a person, when a person builds a habit, uh, maybe... Maybe it's, uh, what are some of the habits that are there? Let me give you an example. Someone, someone, someone builds a habit to always, what habits do people have? Okay, there are people who've got a habit to touch their nose. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to touch your nose, but I'm saying there are people who've got a habit to touch their nose. They always just want to touch their nose. Ew. Or let me say, there are some people who, every time they'll put their thumb in their mouth. Big people, huh? Ah, let me give you this other habit. You obviously have a friend who does this. They always bite their nails. Always biting their nails. 
How, how did it reach there? The, it, it, it reached a place where when the, when the brain notices that you consistently like doing something, it will create, for lack of better terms, let me use uh, uh, computer science terminology, it will create an algorithm and put it in action to the extent that you don't have to think about it. You just find, you, don't, you didn't even realize that you did it. You just find, <laughs> before you know it, you're biting your nails. You're like, how did I do this? It's, you formed a habit. See that? So that the brain does not have to use a lot of energy. You just function through it. So you can act, that means it stops hurting. It stop, you stop using energy. Let me also tell you the bomb here. Are you ready for the bomb? It means, it means the devil doesn't need to tempt you. There are people who don't need temptation to miss church. It's in their nature. Temptation is not for believers, by the way. It's for, for, for non-believers. It's not for non-believers. Temptation is for believers. You can't tempt someone for something they do consistently. Temptation comes to those who don't do things. Why was Jesus Christ tempted? Because he was pure in himself. Why was Adam tempted or if tempted? Because he had, she had never done that. So there are people who, when they build a habit to stop going to church, to listen to the word of God or any such thing, the devil goes to rest. He doesn't need to tempt them <laughs> because it's become part of their nature. Someone say, God forbid. So you find there are people who have, have made it a habit, but what the Bible is saying is do not form the habit of stopping to, uh, to go to church as is the habit of others. It's when it, meaning when you don't go to church, it doesn't even hate. So for someone to say that I don't need to go to church, which Bible are they reading? Which Hebrews 10, 25 did they read? That's crazy. That's crazy. You see, you see why I react the way I react? Because it bothers me what Bible people read. Like, come on, guys, it's right there. It's right, it's just, it's like just there. And then someone just decides to worship their views, their understanding of life. This is why the Bible says this. Let me show you another scripture. Okay. Uh, Colossians chapter number one. Colossians chapter. Now, take note of some of these scriptures because during an exam, hint, hint, scriptures add more marks. So if you're just being blessed and feeling nice, oh, oh. you are the same ones who, when someone asks you a question, you say, ah, my pastor said, no, tell the person what the Bible said. Because sometimes when you say my pastor said, they say, this is what I say. It's all about what the pastor said. What do you say? It's not even about your opinion or my opinion. It's what the Bible says. And it's a type of disciples we are trying to grow. People who can quote scriptures, who are trained in the word of truth. Shout, I am trained in the word of truth. I am trained in the word of truth. Look at Colossians chapter number 2, I believe, verse 8. 
He says, beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they are filled with endless arguments of human logic for they operate for they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not on the anointed truths of the anointed one wow okay this one is even light let me show you a heavy one amplified version colossians 2 verse 8 it says see to it that no one carries you off as spoil or makes you yourselves captive by his so-called philosophy and intellectualism and vain deceit, idle fancies, and plain nonsense following human tradition, men's ideas of the material rather than the spiritual world, just crude notions following the rudimentary and elemental teachings of the universe and disregarding the teachings of Christ the Messiah. Don't let anyone carry you off as spoil. The Bible talks about plain nonsense. You see that the Bible is also strong language. It's not just me. It's just plain nonsense. We, we, look, we've tried, we've tried being humble, but some stuff is just plain nonsense. You can tell that this is just nonsense. There's, there's no sense in what the person is saying. It's, you don't need to fight to see that the person is lost. So don't let people carry you off when they tell you, oh, no, but you are just going to these churches. They may just be there to brainwash you. Everyone is brainwashed. Can't you tell that the way that person is talking, they're also brainwashed with lies? Who told you that you're the one who's brainwashed? How can an ignorant person challenge you that you are brainwashed? We are all brainwashed, please. Just depends on the soap that was used. Hallelujah. Let me show you another scripture. Acts chapter number two. Why you need a church. Number one, the Bible says so. The Bible says so. We are not trying to follow what some man of God said. The word of God instructs us. The word of God instructs us. The word of God says you need a church. The word of God says I need a church. The word of God says we need fellowship. We need it. The word of God instructs it. These are convictions you grow individually as you delve into the word of God. Shout hallelujah. Acts chapter number two. Acts chapter number two. We're going to read from verse. Blessed be God. Blessed be God. Okay, listen to this. The Bible says, I'll begin from 42. Every believer was faithfully devoted to the teachings of the apostles. So you have to be faithfully uh, faithfully devoted to the teachings of your pastor okay that's what the word of god is trying to tell you here 
Their hearts were mutually linked to one another. You must love one another. Sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. This is why at Hof, we regularly meet for prayer. You hear from just tonight, you hear there's going to be a prayer session. And this is how come you keep spiritually on fire. It's important. The Bible instructs it. It's not just, it's not because Pastor Daniel loves a lot of prayers. No, the Bible says we should do it. Can't you see? It says sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. Listen to this. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Now listen to this. All the believers were in fellowship as one body. Fellowship. The reason why we constantly meet is for fellowship. I'll say something on that. That's another reason. For fellowship. And they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sought their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who are in need among them. Listen to this. Listen to this. The Bible says daily they met together. They met daily. These days, huh? we even have to tell you, please, it's just for this one week <laughs> so that you don't pour out when you hear it, it's daily. These guys used to meet daily. The Bible says daily they met together. Why were they meeting together? The, Spirit, the Holy Spirit had been poured out. So these guys were moved by the Spirit to be doing what they were doing. So this tells you the importance of meeting together. It's, 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 it's a tenet of the Spirit of God. It's an expectation of the Spirit. See? It's a pattern that was formed by the Spirit of God. Daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. Hallelujah. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. Shout hallelujah, somebody. See? They used to meet consistently. The people who began their faith used to meet consistently every day in their houses. These days, you want to start that thing at no. You have to inform us before you come. What do you mean? I'm not saying people should just be bowing into your house. But open your homes. If we say we want to have an overnight, you should be the first one to say, oh, my house is open. Not even busy just having an expectation for the pastor to be opening his home. Oh, Kylie is a pastor. No. Next time we'll come into your house. Open it. We'll come. We'll use your things in the house. Drink your tea. Drink your sugar. And praise God for it. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's, that's the expectation of God. And church is a part of it. Now, I want, I want to show you something also. Just to show you that the word of God expects it. First Corinthians chapter number 16. So Paul is talking to them about collecting offerings, okay? And he's trying to show them 
what they should do. And he says, now concerning the collection, I want you to take for God's holy believers in Jerusalem who are in need. I want you to follow the same instructions I gave the churches of Galatia. Listen to this. Every Sunday, each of you make a generous offering by taking a portion of whatever God has blessed you with and place it in safekeeping. Then I won't have to make a special appeal to you. Every Sunday when you make a generous offering, how do they make generous offerings if they are not meeting? In other words, every Sunday when you meet, you should take aside a part of your money to give. That means these guys used to meet every Sunday. Are you seeing that? Then you today should say, no, me, I meet in my house. With who? How do you meet alone, eh? Isn't that strange how people think? Every Sunday, each of you should set aside some of your money and save it. Then money won't have to be collected when I come. In other words, save it, give it to the treasurer, then I'll come collect it. Oh, praise God, the Corinthians used to meet on Sunday and not Saturday, but that's not the point. So all I'm saying is, what the Bible is encouraging us here, <laughs> that's not the point. That's not the point. All I'm trying to say is the Bible says we should be meeting and the structure of the church has been specially placed by the leading of the Spirit from time past. And you see, when we meet together as brother and sister, the Bible says we have been baptized into the same spirit by one body. So there is a way that the spirit of God operates during a Sunday service and the way that the spirit of God blesses us when we meet together, different from how he blesses us individually, because there, there is obedience to the word of God. There is obedience and oneness. There's something about believers when they come together. When you read, when they came together and prayed, the Bible says they were filled with boldness. The apostles, after they prayed, they were filled together. They lifted one voice. They did. When we pray together as corporate prayer, there's a way that the Spirit of God works. When we are meeting together as believers in that communion, there's a way that the Spirit of God is going to bless individuals for the week and for the month and for the year differently than the way he does when you are alone. Also in church, the other reason you need to be in church is because you learn to serve God in church. That's where you learn to serve God from. You can write that down. You learn to serve God in church. You learn to serve God. This is why when you are part of a church, you join a department and you serve. The kind of work that we do in, in church, even if you are in the paper picking department, toilet cleaning department in church, you are more honorable than a bank of Zambia governor in the sight of God. And this is so important. This is so important. Never look down on the work that you do for the house of God. It's holy. It's holy. Even if you lost your job, never lose your service in the house of God. Ne never be so busy and so depressed or so proud that you can't serve it. And then there are those people who they know this is the church they're supposed to be in. But they are, 
you know, they are still waiting for these three months. There are people who feel so special. They take so long to join a department. What? When when you just heard that you you'll be in that workplace for three months probation, you went. You went fast, fast. You were, they were not even paying you anything. You rushed to go work there for free. Lutu, you haven't bothering your parents for transport, man. Yet in church, you want to see which departments you can join. First, Remy waits. Three months. How special do you think you are? <laughs> people. People are strange. Then there are also those. Eh? There's that foolishness. Where people say, uh, no, I'm here. I'm not feeling at home. You are not feeling at home. Everyone loves you. You are learning the best things you can learn. And you are waiting to begin feeling at home. <laughs> that, that shocks me. Firstly, in the club where some people used to go, eh? people used to look at them strangely. People used to treat them some kind of way. But they never left. They could finish the entire night, oof, go back the next Friday. You felt at home there? Eh? You felt at home in the club, but you still kept going. It's so demonic. It's so demonic. In the house of God, you're waiting to feel at home. Some, 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 some friendships that people have, some workplaces. I've met very few people who work for workplaces where they feel at home. They have that abusive boss who has no respect for them, who cuts their salary, but they'll go day in, day out until the whole year ends. It will just be a prayer point, but they'll never quit. They don't care they feel at home or not. They will just be there. But at church, they have the guts to say, no, I'm not feeling at home. So maybe I have to wait. <laughs> Guys, no, 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 no. We need to be honest with one another. Mm? You have to be very honest with yourself. Sir, let's not be too special. Like a golden calf. We are all servants. Oh, do you know that we are also servants? So it's in church that you learn to serve. You can write that down too. Let me show you. Sometimes we must look at ourselves as servants. Sometimes we must look at ourselves as servants. Let me show you a scripture. Hmm. Are you ready for this scripture? I don't know if you are ready. Mm. <sighs> Sometimes we should see, look, and I'm telling you. Hmm. I'm telling you how sometimes I personally look at myself. This keeps me in check and it makes me realize my place. Let me tell you this. This is the stuff that makes you serve you every day. 
I'll tell you a number of things that I have to do. When I'm finished with you, I also have Bible school assignments, which I have to hand in. I also have a whole pregnant wife to attend to. I also have books to write. I also have, um, I also, I also have, I have a lot of things to do. If I tell you everything that I need to do, you'll be amazed. I have work that I'm attending to, but I also have each of you individual souls to attend to. And I must prepare myself mentally. Even if you say, oh no, we are tired. We want to sleep. I'm your servant, please. I will force you to be here. Uh, you are the one benefiting. You are not paying me for this session. But you are getting things that will help you in this life and in eternity. You must realize, the Lord Jesus Christ said, if you want to be the greatest, you must be a servant. I have to prepare a sermon that is well thought out. And I have to present it on PowerPoint very properly because of the respect I have for you. You are God's, you are God's, you are God's beauty. God, Jesus died for you. I must respect you. I am just, I was just picked. I'm just a servant. So there's a mentality that we need to have sometimes. Are you listening to me? The greatest of all must be a servant. Be humble. Serve. Don't be difficult. Refuse to be stubborn. Refuse to feel too special. Just be a servant. Be there to be used. Someone said, oh, hmm, that church, they were only using me. They were using you. If people used you in a church, then you have your reward with men. But if you are working with God, no matter how much you labored, never think they used you. Just walk out if they chased you and wait for your reward in heaven. Shout hallelujah. Let me show you this. This, this, this kind of mindset is so important. Okay? Luke chapter number 17. This will bless you. Okay, let me read it perhaps from the Passion Translation. Jesus continued, after a servant, this is so important, listen to this. After a servant has finished his work in the field or with the livestock, he doesn't immediately sit down to relax and eat. No! A true servant prepares the food for his master and makes sure his master is served his meal before he sits down to eat his own. Does a true servant expect to be thanked for doing what is required? This church, they don't appreciate everything I do. <laughs> ah, you are a boss. You are not a servant. See? So learn this lesson. These are the words of Jesus. This is so powerful. After doing all that is commanded of you, simply say, we are mere servants and deserving of special praise, for we are just doing what is expected of us and, and fulfilling our duties. What? This is Jesus. He's saying we are undeserving servants. Look at, look at, uh, uh, look at the, the, the New Living Translation. Jesus said, in the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Look, do not expect praises for doing what is your responsibility. Avoid that, that spirit of entitlement, wanting to be seen. You avoid it. We are servants. We want to serve. Ask Nalishua. Do you know you guys that sometimes I go 
on Saturdays and I'm even cleaning the keyboard and noticing things. Huh? I notice things, I say what should be done and what should be done. Sometimes I do that. And I go, sometimes on Saturdays I go, we make sure we buy bulbs, we do this, we run around. Just so that I can serve you. I don't want the place to be dark. I don't want you to have a, a bad service. The other Sunday I was busy, look at this. The other Sunday I was busy cleaning the keyboard, making sure things are in place, running around to make sure that we buy the stand for the TV. Using my own fuel, I wasn't asking for anyone to fund me. Eh? Then afterwards, slept at 04, preparing a sermon. Then afterwards, outgave people. Then when the Lord begins to bless me, you start wondering. I'm not a boss. I'm a servant. I am just, that's how I try to look at myself. I am just a servant. Eh? Have that mentality. Serve. So it's in church that you learn to serve. Then some of you, you've been told, can you go and learn sound? No, we will, we will. It's been nine years. You are still planning on going to learn how to connect sound. Nine years. Okay, nine months. Okay, nine days. Whatever, nine weeks. Be humble. If you can be in two departments and serve effectively, be. Serve. It's in church that you learn to serve God. You serve God with your money. You serve God with your strength. You serve God with your humility. You serve God loving people who are abusing you. Because they are in church, people will not, not everyone will appreciate you. You learn to, you learn to be humble. And to serve God, even though they don't praise you, you just treat yourself as an unworthy servant. In church also, you learn accountability. The Bible says in Luke chapter number 16, if you are unfaithful in little things, you will not be faithful in many. So at church, you need the church because that's where you're going to learn to be accountable. To handle your tasks properly. How are you going to give an account of how you handled things that belongs to God if you never belong to a church? How? How? You see that? So in church, you also learn to be accountable. This is the, also the purpose of mentorship. Why you need a mentor, a pastor to look at you is also for this reason. Because he has oversight over you. This is why I don't understand people who have a pastor, but they also have a spiritual father elsewhere. Because the Bible says a person has to give an account over you. Someone has to give an account over you. But how will someone give an account over you when they never really watched your life? So, let me show you this. Uh, if God goes to ask someone who never watched you to give an account of you. So, and this is what I teach people. Once you have a pastor in church, once you have a pastor who's watching over you in church, there's no need to go out and start now looking. And it's, it's, it was fashionable, especially in our day. Someone has a pastor and then they say, okay, now that I have a pastor, I'm going to look for a spiritual father. No, your pastor is enough. I'm everyone's papa here. Eh? I'm your spiritual father. <laughs> I'm your papa. <laughs> Listen to this. Listen to this. Let me show you this. 
Hebrews chapter number 13, verse 17. Look at what the Bible says. It says, obey your spiritual leaders. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Listen, this is, this is, this is important. This is scripture. It's not feelings. Eh? Someone is accountable to God over you. They must watch over you. And that's what we do in prayer, in teaching you, in feeding you on the word of God every Sunday. Now, I'm not saying go out and chase everyone who helped you in your life. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying this is the reason why you need to belong to a church. Because someone will have to give an account to God over you. Now, some people, imagine those who, the Bible says, give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be to your benefit. Now, imagine if you don't go to church and you don't have a pastor. Who is going to give an account over you? You are your own pastor. You go and say, Lord, uh, as my own pastor. <laughs> you see why you need to be in a church and why you need a pastor. That's what the Bible is saying. So, you also need a, a, a church in order to grow together with other believers. Hallelujah, Sambare. Yeah. You can't build spiritual muscle for consistency. You know, also why you need church is you learn how to do things correctly when you watch other believers. You can't grow on your own. We need people. You need to see how to pray, how to do intercession. You need to learn how to give. You need to learn how to behave yourself in the house of the Lord. For many people, heaven will be very strange because they never used to go to church. So, that is why you need to be part of a church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 